welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. Uh, I don't want to associate with any of the men on the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, your name? <laughs> I'm your neophyte, Frank. Um, and today we are back. Back to checking out Degrassi Season 4. Today we are looking at Season 4, Episode 4, Mercy Street. Uh, quick content warning before we get too far into this episode, we are going to be talking about intimate partner violence, ableism, sexual harassment, domestic violence. Um, to help us through this episode, which has some wild twisted turns in it, we have our buddy Gray on. Hi, Gray. Another banger. Yep. I feel like you just... I feel like you end up on these episodes and they're just peculiar like I don't know how else to describe it but like White Wedding is peculiar I feel like this one the B plot especially is peculiar it's just for whatever reason it's just we have some weird shit we're like oh who do we have oh Gray signed up for this one <laughs> I have a very discerning eye for things in the synopses of the episodes that look just absolutely insane <laughs> so I went for this one and it was insane in a way I I, I assumed something would happen, and it didn't really work out that way. But it was crazier because of it. Very weird episode. <laughs> it is. Um, before we get too far into it, though, would you like to introduce our A plot and our B plot? Yeah. Right. I make it names incorrect because this is my second episode I've ever seen. <laughs> That's okay. We will correct you if necessary. Actually, legally third. My first one was a two-parter. <laughs> Yes. Like halfway between like a skater kid and a dweeb, and he is—I assume in a previous season—he uh, physically abused his partner to the point where she was put in a coma, and everyone is very, very reasonably upset about it. And they take unreasonable actions to kind of alienate this kid when he returns to class after this happened in the past. That's our A plot, and our B plot is. Uh, JT's having relationship woes, so he decides to take his friend's offer up on a penis pump that he materializes out of thin air, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, that about sums it up. And... <laughs> so, just to rip off the band-aid, yeah. let's, let's take a look at the B-plot. against that, but these are children, so I'm very against it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to stick on the uh, teenage sexuality content warning, but... They're sophomores at this point. They are. So, let's start talking about this B-plot. Um, I know you don't wanna, but you kind of committed to this whole entire project, and you have to be here. <laughs> this is a weird one in a way I didn't expect, because the synopsis I signed up for said that he buys a penis pump, and that's it. And I was like, okay. I, I recognize his character's name, because last I saw him was in season two, with his little clown boy with his bastard friend, and they just do a bad prank. So that sounds very on brand for him. Um, I didn't expect the, uh, the insecurity route. I didn't expect that this is where this was coming from. I thought he was just going to be a, a juvenile gaff. 
this was a little monotonous. Yeah, it. So this whole entire scene, it opens up at Liberty's family hot tub, and Liberty has decided to invite JT, Toby, and Manny over. And Manny is just big chilling in the hot tub, having a good time. And JT approaches her and does the little pull my finger bit. Um, but it's, I guess it's, but pull my yeah. hand. Yeah, he shows up on screen and the first thing that happens is a fart joke. Like, yeah. like, okay, I remember you. <laughs> and it's like, really funny, Greg, because it's like, technically, the amount of growth that JT has gone through between White Wedding and now, up until this very, very moment, has been astronomical. Like, he, he... Yeah. He went through a lot of growth, and then you come back, and suddenly he regressed back to, like, where he was. <laughs> I, it's, it's a weird thing, because even before we did the uh, White Wedding, way back when, I was informed that JT becomes, like, a like a darling character. He's beloved because of some growth that happens. And my entire experience with that episode was like, really? This kid little, little thing is... <laughs> I got the same. I got the same vibe here. I was just don't think this She sees what happened. Nothing. <laughs> you dated a girl and you act like a dick. <laughs> but, I mean, we've seen this. We have, but it's it's like <laughs> straight men are terrible. They are, but it's just really funny to me because it's like for a while he has an uphill climb, and even when he fucks up, he's like, "Oh man, you're right. I did fuck up. You're right. You fucked up. You fucked up." <laughs> yeah, and it's just like now we're back where we were. Um, and JT thinks this this whole thing is hysterical. This is like peak comedy. Um, <laughs> it explains the stand up. Oh yes, it does. Um, and Liberty comes in with, like, fucking mixed drinks and gives one to Manny. And sometimes you just have to say, what the heck? Yeah, like, Manny's like, oh, like, yeah, they're talking like they're, like, on Real Housewives for some reason. Yeah. They're giving, they're like, I can't believe Summer's almost over. <laughs> I'm ready to be an adult, a big grown-up. Donnie and I watched... <laughs> Donnie and I watched an entire season of The Hills, and I'm still like, you know what, I prefer this over that. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know, The Hills, is, it's different. Reality TV, it's different. It, it's like a different part of my brain that is pleased by it. <laughs> Whatever, okay. Well, we can agree to disagree on this one. But um, Liberty comes in, and it's just like... They're talking, and they're not really talking like they you would think they would. And as they are doing this whole entire thing, um, they do a toast, and they they clink their plastic cups to uh, what is the thing? Leaving childish things behind. Okay, I know I know we got a long road on the a plot, but I do have to stop and say. Um, Manny tries to, I guess, build a bridge, and it's just like, you know who loves hot tubs? Emma Nelson. Or maybe, no, I think I'm confusing sincerity for, like, mean girl talk again. Right. Um, or, but, but Liberty does say, Liberty responds, no, Emma is for stabbing me in the back, ripping out your heart and stomping it bloodless of her pointy ballerina feet. Who? <laughs> What an interesting last bit to kind of hyperfixate on. Yeah. 
Um, and then, like, Manny's like, to 10th grade, and, like, sees JT and Toby are play fighting in the background. Yeah, and, like, Manny's like, wow, I can't believe we're gonna be 16. Which, like, to be fair, we all have that thought when we turn 16. I am not ripping on Manny. I'm gonna be such a grown-up. Is 16 the driving age in Canada? Because that's what, that's the only thing I was thinking about when I was 16. I was like, fuck you, a car, a Go beep beep, listen to music. <laughs> Go beep beep, listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have my subtitle for the episode. Oh my god! I miss doing these episodes with people. <laughs> it's like, our hive mind just does not go there. <laughs> I mean, is that something that you get excited about in Canada? This is, this is uh, something I... I remember that Degrassi is obviously Canadian TV. I didn't actually remember it, that it was also set in Canada until the next scene, which is outrageous, where he mentions that he's from Team Canada. And I was like, oh, right. It's not just made there, it's about them. It's about the Canadians. But when I turned 16, my sister got upset that I was growing up too fast, and she's like, I can't handle you shaving, so she instead taught me how to nair my mustache. Oh, ow! Ooh. And I was just like, alright. Did that irritate your skin at all? Not really. Really? Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but yeah, so they're like clinking to, um, to being 16, to leaving childish things behind. And then out of nowhere, Liberty's brother Danny comes in with a fucking ironing board and is like, yeah, this is my diving board into a fucking hot tub. And Liberty's like... Dang it. Danny, that's fucking awful idea. Right. Liberty's like, Danny Van Sant, that's mom's ironing board. And I'm just like, what happened to what the heck? What happened to what the heck? And what happened to, like, like, I, I think the issue is going to be far more severe than the ironing board is busted. Yeah. Alright. I grew up a young boy. That's true. Your brothers. Yeah. And there is a non zero amount of times that we tried to stand on an ironing board. Uh, to do like a surfing gag, uh, yeah. climbing onto the ironing board nearly killed one of us. And Jesus! Try it again. Yeah, it's not very stable. I don't know how you're gonna jump off of it into a like three foot deep hot tub and expect to walk away from that. Oh, I mean, I guess he doesn't, but maybe da- maybe Danny Van Zant who is. Basically turning into the Minota of um, Degrassi High. Awful, but true. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is just like, well, this is all a mastermind ploy for him to get JT to stand on the board and then yank down his trousers. Yep. So that's what happens, and it's awful. And Toby yeah. immediately just points and says, look, a stack of times. I, that line has been, like, in my brain since I was, like, 16. And that's embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, that... I, felt, I felt genuine uh, sorrow for JT when I saw his, like, horrified face. I was like, oh, sorry. And, like, the worst part is, is how concerned Manny looks when yeah. she sees it. <laughs> she looks, like, like, mildly disturbed. Yeah. Oh, oh, 
<laughs> like, and that's the part that kills me the most. It's not just, like, JT being mortified. Like, JT being mortified makes sense, but the fact that they now have Manny going, like, ugh, yikes, over it is just, like, this added level of terror. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... I think his mortified face is what made me feel like, I'm sorry, instead of, you earned it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is It is still, like, it's harassment. It's still, like, sexual harassment. You're, like, you're getting... I mean, I know people don't really think of pantsing in that way, but it's like, you're getting your genitals exposed to a public that you did not consent to. Nobody consented to. Right, and if you... And he's tugging on those shorts just the same way. He's going off the ironing board. Yeah. And it's going to be bad for everybody. Exactly. It's like, it's just a nightmare. Um, and JT obviously, like, carries this anxiety because the next scene, they're, it's at the lockers, and JT is asking Manny about, like, weekend plans. And Manny's like, oh, I can't. I'm busy. And the conversation escalates to JT being like, is my small dick a problem? <laughs> <laughs> like immediately he's like do you want to hang out actually I'm busy like anytime you a problem what's, what's the issue it's like you haven't wanted to hang out with me since I unflurled my tiny dick yeah <laughs> since I embarrassed myself in front of you and God and all my friends <laughs> in the in the words of um in the words of uh <laughs> Rhett Foreman from That 70s Show. You do not pull down your girlfriend's pants in front of God, the neighborhood, and the foreign kid. (laughs) (laughs) But then, it's it's so goofy, because it's like, okay, that was a really big jump you made there, pal. And then Craig walks up and starts talking to her right in front of JT. It's like, uh, do you mean anything? And he's like, oh, am I interrupting? She's like, no, it's nothing. Like, damn. Cold-blooded. <laughs> and the thing that kills me is, like, there's this one moment where she, like, holds his hand and is like, oh, I know, that must have been so hard. And then she's, then they, like, lean in for a kiss and she's like, oh, hey, Craig! <laughs> because she's clearly... That is just instant death. Yeah. Because this, like, Manny has now entered into the Ashley realm of, I want to break up with this boy, but it's at the worst possible time. I know, it's just so uniquely, like... Like, God I, damn it. But the funny thing is with, J- with Jimmy, it's just like, I'm sad because my parents aren't around. JT's just like, I'm insecure because you saw my tiny dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Thomas penis is so... Thomas penis is so much. I feel like I'm on an episode of Teen Girl Talk. I know. Wow. The ta- the turntables, ain't they? Turned. I don't know what I was saying. Anyway. <laughs> So Craig and Manny are talking about their summers, and Craig then leaves, and JT is super mad because, like, he had not, they did not even give him an inch to go into the conversation or anything, and he's just, like, totally, like, you know, pissed off. So he carries that anger into the locker room and vents to Danny about how much he hates stalker Craig, and Danny is just going off about how hot Manny is. Why is Danny here? Right? Because he's a year younger. <laughs> he's two years younger. Yeah. Two years? Jesus, you're right. He j- wait. Yeah, they're going They're going into this. He's just started. He's small. What? He's small. Yeah, he just started. He's a sub grader. Why is he fucking taking gym with the ninth graders? He's also not really even dressed for gyms. I wonder if he just, like, walked in there to hang out. I'm beginning to think that might actually have been what was going on. Like, he's just, like, for... He's just... 
materializes in the space because he's just like, hey guys, I got, you know, no, my, my geography teacher doesn't take attendance until like, you know, 50 minutes in, so what's up? I'm just the artful minute to dodger. It's, he just spawns oh. in a locker. Yeah, it's just like really unsettling, but he's just like, just literally just talking about how hot Manny is. Um, Man, if the teachers had fucking My Hero Academia were in charge of the school, none of this shit would happen. Well, no, they would be in ratio, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It means that there's no teachers at Degrassi. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, um, so Toby is like, hey, like, you've been dating for four months, and you've only kissed. Like, what the fuck is up Barely with that? Barely even kissed. Barely even kissed. It's like, what the fuck is up with that? And as they're talking, Craig, Spinner, and Marco strut in with their towels barely across their, along their waists, coming out of the showers. Oh, man. This sucks. He really does. I mean, the <laughs> Everything about this plot sucks. So, so, we've, ta <laughs> we've talked a little bit about this on the show. Um, as somebody who had showers that were used as storage and, like, never functioned as showers, like, this is fascinating to me. I never yeah. took showers at school, so... Gray, what was I, your shower sitch? I, ex I explicitly did not join the school's swim team because I would have to swim early in the morning and then go take a shower at public at school and then go to class, and that sounded just absolutely disgusting. That's so valid. I would never do it. I would, do, I would put on minimum effort and then go home and shower at home. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So anyway, JT's like, if this is the correct time to confront Craig. He's yeah. Like, Craig, <laughs> mano a mano, which means hand to hand. Manny is my girlfriend. And Craig's just like, okay. Yeah. And JT's like, oh, I know. I need you to respect, and JT's like, I need you to respect that. And Craig's like, whatever. Yeah, well, he says, I do, too. He's like, yeah, okay, like, you're not giving me anything new here. And then, um, JT's complaining that sometimes Craig hangs out a bit, and then Craig drops his towel, and everybody sees that Craig has a large penis. It's wild. Buster's board, and everyone's like, and it sucks. It's wild, also, because he's like, He's, like, toweling down his junk in that. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for. Because, like, I was, like, kind of, like, I was, like, was it just, like, he was futzing with it? No, he removes and, like, continues. And I hate saying that, but, like, he, he continues to gesture. Like, it's this weird, like, he comes off like he doesn't give a shit, but that comes off like such a power play to me. It's just, like... <laughs> to the area. Okay. JT is fucking perplexed and Craig will not let him escape. It's like a cough from the jungle book. He's just entranced now. Oh! <laughs> the fucking, like, oh, snakes. <laughs> anyway, so JT stares. Craig calls him out on staring and then JT denies that he is staring at Craig's canonical big dick. <laughs> and there are like five other people in the room like, Gesturing wildly, they have no lines. They're just like posing. 
in shock. Well, it's also really funny because Marco is there, and I, I, in my head, in my heart, I know Marco's just thinking, hey, man, like, I'm not getting involved. Like, I'm not involved in this. Thank fuck. <laughs> Marco's, like, reaching his backpack, like, where are my smoke bombs? Smoke bombs, like, I gotta hear now. Yeah, he's like, oh, this could be aimed at me. Oh, I gotta go. Goodbye. But, it's impossible for me to just turn invisible. Right. Really hard. Right. Um, <laughs> Spinner just kind of glances at Marco, and he's like, yep, smoke bomb. <laughs> Right, just like goodbye. <laughs> Cha-cha, leaves. Um, next scene. This is just worse and worse. This literally gets worse and worse. Next scene, we're in the bathroom. Danny, once again, I guess has 15 minutes before his teacher's doing attendance, and runs into JT and Toby, and reveals that with a fake ID, he was able to successfully purchase a penis pump. My favorite thing is... What is he needed for? Well, that's the thing. It's like, did you just do this out of the kindness of your heart toward JT? Like, wh- maybe Danny has hidden depths, and he's like, you know what? I feel bad about exposing JT in front of everyone. I doubt it. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe his fake ID didn't work, but he like sold the the penis pump merchants a sob story. It's like, frankly, needs this. Like, it's got a problem, and it was my fault that it came out, and I'm just trying to do him solid. Right, like, I'm just trying to do right by him. I'm trying to do right by a guy I hurt. Okay, and... I need this pump. <laughs> okay, besides my favorite thing in the transcript, that they replaced the eye in penis to a one, um... Oh, my God! Like, da- Danny is, like... Like, like JT, JT's just like, a penis pump? How'd you buy this? Danny's like, well, I didn't. Holds up fake ID. Gunther Van Eisenstadt did t- take it out. And I'm just like, he's still very clearly a child. I know. Like, he looks so small. Like, I'm like, where the fuck? At, the point, at that point, wherever you ended up, you didn't need a fake ID. They were going to give it to you anyway. Yeah. He is, like, three foot four. <laughs> Like if he, outrageously small. If he went to a liquor store to buy beer, the like the cashier would just be like, Alright, son, come here, and just hold him by his ear while he calls the cops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's so small. <laughs> and then like they're oh they're like, okay, and then like JT brings them into the stall, him, Toby, and Danny, standing in this tiny stall, opening it up, opening up the fucking package. There's a snake kind of, like, printed on the side. There's and a he, cobra. There's it a co- like, yeah, it looks like a monster energy drink slash, yeah, like, a bong. It does. bad. It's like that or a Six Flags roller coaster logo. Could you use it? No. Yeah. Could you use it as a bong? I don't know uh, enough about smoking to give an answer. Just, like, pump the air into your mouth. Or pump the smoke into your mouth. Some, it would take some mods, but I don't think it's impossible. No, I don't think so either. But, um, it's like, it's like JT's like, oh, there's a snake on it, it's a snake, snake bite. Somebody says says that, and it's just mushroom, like. Mushroom, mushroom. Uh, it's like, is this dangerous? It has a snake on it. Yeah, it's like, uh, and then Toby starts reading the instructions. The instructions are clearly like one of those things that's been translated kind of, um, clunky. So like tube becomes tub. Uh, penis is called member. Which, honestly, I can never get enough of, like, poorly written, like, poorly translated directions. It's just... Oh, yeah. Because... When it's, like, being translated from, like, the company who made this clearly, like, in Taiwan or something. <laughs> so it's, like, 
all right, do our do best. We'll yep. figure this out somehow. Because like my thing is just like we've we've had people make fun of um people learning English as a second language. And that sucks. But like when this happens, you know it's just some bored intern or translator at their crappy job at the penis pump factory who's just like, I can't be bothered to proofread this. <laughs> or like they like six more versions of this product that's gotta be done this hour. Fine, I don't care. Right, and at the very least, it's like one of those things that they put into Google Translate like a couple times until you just end up with. It didn't happen back then. <laughs> Uh, From 2004. Did Google Translate not exist yet? I don't think so. If it did, I've like missed out for my Spanish papers. <laughs> but use that idea. But um, so they are all doing this shit. They figure it out, and then they fucking walk out of the stall, all three of them, and walk in to see Craig in the bathroom, and he is just like, "I don't need an explanation," and that is probably yeah, the best response. <laughs> The whole scene, I was, I was thinking, like, how did they fit all three of them in one stall? I mean, <laughs> they are tiny <laughs> children. They gag. That's true. One of them is three foot four. Yeah, so three foot four, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, deer first came around in 2004, but I don't think it became a thing until after that. Interesting. You know what it was? It was Babblefish back then. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what was used. It wasn't Google Translate, it was Babblefish. Um, next scene, we're in the hallway, JT approaches Danny about how he tested it out? I... Yeah, when did he have time? Right, like, did he, like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Like, did he wait until the bathroom was... I... I have a lot of questions. There's, there's, there's no way that someone didn't know something was up. Unless, unless time has passed that we just weren't made pretty to, like... This clown did it at school. And yeah, that's unforgivable. <laughs> we 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 just watched the episode. We didn't stop to think like, is his outfit the same? Damn! <laughs> I should have. Oh, I should have. I should have got better notes. Damn it! So so, but it's just like, here's my thing, like. I love in like in high school movies where they have this, where it's just like a bunch of dudes talking about their stuff or like explicit details about their sex lives. You know what ha what happens in a high school if you do that? The dudes just like uh huh cool, and they're just like let's not hang out with this guy anymore because <laughs> nobody yeah. wants to hear that. <laughs> not even a little bit. I feel like the most. It's... I'm sorry, Gray. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like the most realistic line is Channing Tatum's in, um, uh, just, not what, just one of the guys, the soccer movie with, uh, She's the Man, um, where, yeah. he, where he's just like, why do you always talk about women in such a weirdly explicit way? And I'm just like, yeah, that would be me. That'd be me in high school. Like, I don't want to hear about this. Nobody does. And yet JT and Danny are just like, well, this is my lot in life. Yeah, especially because, like, for all intents and purposes, Danny is so new. Like, he's not really been, form like, you know, terribly formally introduced. We know who he is. But, like, it's a plot that would make sense if it was between JT and Toby. Because they're already freaks who have, like, looked at porn together and shit. So, like, I could see that. But, like, Danny is just this this chaotic agent that just is getting thrown into the mix and it's just like you're going out of your way to help this dude's dick like quite a bit <laughs> don't you have friends in your grade 
maybe not. That's why he's there. Yeah. I guess so. No, he's just he's just trying to be a good homie. He is. And he, but he doesn't know what that means. He doesn't. He has to learn some boundaries first. So they're ba- <laughs> so they're basically like. And then Danny's just like, let Manny be the the one to decide. And um, JT is, like, goes up to Manny and is like, oh, how about we have a romantic night on Friday? Like, you and me, a romantic DVD, a couch. But keep in mind they're having this, the, the, they, JT approaches her after she's had a conversation with Liberty about breaking, about, like, being like, I do not want to see him. And Liberty being like, you should break up with him. Yeah. Mm. And they're like, you should do it tonight before drag us up. And then he's like, hey, what are we hang up tonight? And she's just like, yeah, sure, okay. It is like almost slapstick how hard he gets owned just at every single turn in this episode. It's really true because like he go, we go to his room and he's like trying to clean it up. The penis pump is on the bed. There's like weird mood music playing. It's like knockoff boys to men. Yes, yes. Which is yes. already shitty romance music. <laughs> I don't care for I don't care for the song I'll make love to you. Okay. Okay. So JT says entree when yes. he knocks on the door. Fuck. Which where the fuck are JT's parents? Okay, okay, here's the thing about JT. We have had mentioned that JT has parents, but is it Eh, I'm just gonna say, I feel like later on down the line, they change his family structure that he only lives with his grandmother, and, and, um, Dahlia just tried to jump into my lap and beefed it. Um, oh. this is very normal while we're recording. Dahlia is the mani of cats. Dahlia really is the mani of cats. Oh, there she is. There she is. Um... And, and so, eventually, they kind of restructure it to that he does not have his parents in the picture, but he has his grandmother. And I wonder if this is where we're beginning to see that transition happen, because it's like, where the fuck is any adult? Well, maybe it's because he, yeah. like, works in a single family, like, single parent household, or single guardian household. Yeah, did they just like, retcon it or something at some point? Yeah, I think it oh. just was one of those things, because I think his parents were mentioned probably, like, season one-ish. But, like, after a while, like, they're, you don't really hear about them at all. You don't ever get any characterization about them other than the fact that once his mother went into his room and, like, overhauled the, uh, the room, like, was not afraid to go into his messy-ass room and try and clean it. But, like, other than that, you don't really get anything else. And then, I know later on in the series, they talk about how he lives with his grandmother and it's only his grandmother and that type of stuff. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I guess that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like I don't, I don't quite know why they made the change, but the change was made. Um, <sighs> but he, he's unattended. He's, he's cleaned his room, um, and, like, Manny's like, oh, it's, what, she says, what happened in here? And yeah. like, I'm trying to make it a little cozier. Yeah, and she's like, are you nervous? And he's, like, sweating, and they have a sweaty-ass kiss. And she's just like, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, and the penis pump is now underneath the pillow. Just yes, throwing yes. that out there. Yes, he, he moved yeah, it. Barely he, obscured. Yes. 
you know, the pillow where while making out you would put like somebody's head. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Your elbow. Could you imagine you just like put oh your elbow my back God. and <gasps> destroy it? Jesus. Well, that's not as bad as it actually happens. God. Yeah, it's true. No matter what we speculate, it's not as bad as what we get. Um, because she goes to, she says she's going to the bathroom, but actually what she's doing is she's leaning against the wall near the bathroom and telling herself that she just gotta fucking suck it up and dump him. Meanwhile, he whips out the penis bump and begins to use it. Now, we don't see any dick, thank God, but it is pretty fucking explicit because we hear him pumping. We hear the pumping noise through the door as Manny's trying to hype herself up, and we hear the suction pop off when she opens up the door and walks in on JT using it. It... <laughs> My notes for this are just no, in all caps. It takes up like three lines of my poor little paper. Yeah. That sounds about right. I don't know what I... This is... The smoking penis punk. But in the show, it's going to be used in the most embarrassing way possible. And I should have been ready for it. Yet, I wasn't. I was blindsided completely. Why, it's though? Embarrassed. It's... Like, why Why would you do it then? It doesn't make any goddamn sense. I know. Because he's an idiot. How, how long does it take to finish a pump set? Because if the answer is less than 10 seconds, or more than 10 seconds, you are just suicidal at this point. You're just like, I'm going to do this because I know that my social life is going to be obliterated, and that's what I want. It's just like, it's like, oh, I have to be, like, in a swimsuit competition, like, tomorrow. Better go to the gym now. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing about this makes sense. Like, it just didn't make sense at all. And it wasn't necessary. <laughs> no. No, it was not. Oh. But, um... She just, like, leaves, and he's just watching, absolutely stunned as she does so. <laughs> I've never seen a teenage boy look so fucked than right then, right there in that shot. How, oh it my was, god, it's been so much better. She's just like, this is so much easier now. We are right. done. We're done. <laughs> a wave of relief. Uh, that would have been great. I would have laughed heartily at that. That would have been great. Okay, so outside... Um, yeah, like, next day, we're at the front of the school, and JT's, like, waiting for Manny to pass by, and he has, like, a bouquet of flowers for her. Because nothing says, I'm sorry you caught me using a fucking penis pump quite like a bouquet <laughs> of flowers from ShopRite. I'm sorry you had a bad experience with my light out. M Manny is, like, power walking, trying to get past him. She's like, I got to go. <laughs> Like, she should just have yelled, no amount of flowers in the world, and kept going. <laughs> yes. But basically, JT, like, lays it on the line, and just like, I saw Craig's thing in the, um, in the locker room, and I thought I couldn't measure up, so that's why I, like, he had something I didn't, and that's why I was using the penis pump, and Manny's like, yeah, JT, Craig does have something you don't have, maturity, like. We're just... <laughs> You're always farting and joking around. And JT's like, I'm sorry, give me a chance. And Manny's like, nope, we're done. And 
I'm sorry I'm ranting, but I'm just so happy this relationship is over now. Because I am so sick of dudes thinking like, oh, well, Manny had sex once, we all know it, and now, like, I know she's going to put out for me. Because that is what JT was insinuating through this entire episode. And it's just like... Right. He did also the same thing that his idiot friend did, which is just make all these assumptions about the relationship he's in, and he didn't actually talk to his partner. Like, he's just like, well, I'm assuming it's this, like, that's bothering her, when he, oh my god, I'm so happy this is over. It's, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see if the fact that he, so I imagine that this entire B plot, the the main takeaways, the bullet points are like the relationship is now where like it has to be a weird penis pump plot to get to the breakup. It feels like a very strange a very strange formula to get that plot point resolved. I agree, but I also feel like it the thing about this plot is while I I feel like there is this this kind of subtext of like you know Manny and her being sexualized and things like that but I also feel like and maybe maybe this was kind of the point because it would complement themes in the a plot but this piece of like peer pressure like it became a bigger issue because of his peers it was something that either a he was insecure about but he was not and because of it he was not going to push Manny further or B, it was something that he was kind of whatever about and be spiraled because of the way everyone responded to it. Yeah. So, but it also feels like that piece gets very much lost. Um, and it becomes more about JT being immature. And I feel like while I understand they were setting it up for like, JT, you're not mature enough, the fact of the matter is, is that this was a ship that really wasn't given very much time to really grow. Like, we knew that they were together for a while, but ultimately, in terms of the episode content that we saw of them, we saw very little. We saw, like, that one plot where JT has a lot of misconceptions about Manny, and he gets rightfully called out on it. Um, but other than that, like, we see them get together, we don't really see much else other than that one conflict that they have, and now this. And it just kind of feels like... This was a relationship that could have gone somewhere if they went to, like, you know, the idea of that they were childhood friends and, you know, they knew each other when they were younger and they knew each other and they seen each other grow up in a certain, to a certain extent. They have ended up on, well, JT hasn't really ended up on a different path, but Manny has ended up on a different path and, and it's them kind of coming back to the feeling of positivity that they could give each other. But it seems like the writers did not even let them do anything and instead just kind of jump to this ridiculous plot which could have been it could have been something but I feel like the the penis pump is just too ridiculous yeah because yeah. Liberty and JT is in game I mean yeah it's, it's, it's such a bizarre like <laughs> because they did the plot about a penis pump it feels like it is less about Oh, he has a he has an embarrassing experience, and it costs him his relationship. And from this, he will learn to be more mature. Instead, it's like this idiot bought a penis pump, and that's the only thing I'm going to think about for the rest of the time because it's so outrageous. 
Yeah, it feels like the series really misses the mark sometimes with sexual content in this sense, where it seems like it gets so caught up in like what they can get away with, as opposed to actually insightful conversations about sexuality. Yeah. Also, technically, he didn't even buy it. Friend gave it to him. Which is also like weird. I would have... Yeah, I feel like it would have bought into the plot more if he went out and bought it himself. So I agree. It could be like, oh, he's got like a weird misunderstanding, and he's like, he's going out and spending money and obsessed with this weird thing that he thinks is the way it is, but definitely not. And if you would just like slow down and think about it, he could figure it out. Look, I can explain. Danny bought for me. Daddy, more questions are raised from that. Right. <laughs> My best friend bought me a dick tool. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of seemed like they really wanted to be salacious, and because of it, it just didn't quite land in any way that was remotely insightful. As, as much as the, bo- the characters are boys giggling in a locker room, the fucking writers are more so boys giggling in a locker room. Like, this is the same stupid Porky's 80s John Hughes bullcrap that they've been trying to peddle on since day one. Yeah, especially with these characters. So, it's a... Should we have JT, like, mature? Nope, let's have him do a penis pump. Well, like, it's, it's all the more disappointing the further we get because we see the growth that JT is going through and we see him be able to be a hero that we can get behind. And then it's like, they're like, well, no, 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 this is too long. This has been too long. We need to make him do stupid shit. Yeah. Don't forget, our boy JT is a dipshit, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> but that's exactly it. Being a dipshit is also endgame. <laughs> oh, boy. But, um, shall we, shall we keep going to our A-plot? So, let's move on to our A-plot. This is where the bulk of our content warnings are going to kick in. Um, this, this plot opens up with Spinner, Paige, Marco, Alex, and Emma watching Rick and his mom be greeted by Radich. Um, and Emma's presence in this group is already kind of odd, um, and she kind of points it out by going like, hey, who is this guy? And Spinner explains which i kind of found bullshit as um one toby and rick were like in an alliance of sorts with the whole terry situation also i feel like degrassi is such a small school i feel like everybody would have known who rick was yeah afterwards like they would have been like oh it's that that guy like that was in that class by the way like he he did this and where's jimmy yeah jimmy and hazel have like I mean, we talked about this a bit once Ter- when Terry was still on the show, but it, it just kind of feels like he- they had such an initial role in Terry and her processing the way that Rick was abusing her, and then, like, suddenly they just dropped off after that first episode, and it really became Paige and Spinner's crusade. Um, and I, it, I feel like you could have had both. I feel like you could have had Jimmy and Hazel still be very invested, but also have Paige and Spinner feel like they had to take it upon themselves. I think you could have had both plots. Yeah. But they're watching Rick enter, um, and Spinner explains the whole situation, and Paige just kind of goes right out of the gate calling Rick a psycho, which is a word that we have heard a lot with connection to Rick. Um, there's a lot of a lot of ableism kind of throughout this whole entire thing, a lot of ableist slurs used, and it's it's a very 
difficult topic. I understand why it's being used in this context in the early aughts. I think that our understanding, we're still working on it, our understanding of, like, mental illness does not, like, you know, mental illness does not inherently equal, like, being abusive. Sometimes people are just abusive pieces of shit, and that's all it is. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it, you know, it's just very unsurprising but still disappointing. Um, and Spinner makes a... I saw that one out of, like, over and over and over. Yeah. Five times. And they use it an obscene amount before, too, with Rick. Like, they really use the word psycho a lot. And pretty much all the time, it, it is about Rick. Um, yes. Which I remember, I remember people using that word a lot back in the day. But, like, once again, it's still not pleasant to hear. Um, and then Spinner reveals that Rick is going to be in Emma's grade, and Emma tries to kind of do, like, a call-to-action moment, and Alex is just like, oh, like, what are you going to do, adopt a dolphin? Um, and, <laughs> and Alex and Marco then say that they're going to talk to Radich about it. Um, just a, uh, just a quick note, um... <laughs> Alex says, I know, what's a what's a dolphin? Train him to defend us from Rick. It's pretty funny in a fucked up way. Well it reminds me it reminds me of one of the most disappointing movies I ever saw called Day of the Dolphin. Which oh? starred George C. Scott and had the tagline, unwittingly, he trained a dolphin to kill the President of the United States. What? <laughs> that movie rips. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks so hard. It is so unbelievably boring. But is it so bad? It's oh, it's boring. No, it is so boring. No. How disappointing. Like, that's a real tragedy. Because I thought it was gonna be like the president swimming and he's just gonna get like bombed to death by dolphins, but it's like (laughs) just like a bottlenose, just like right. Like, but instead, it's like the dolphin has been trained to like swim aside, like beside things. It has a bomb, and it's next to the president's yacht or something. It's so stupid and boring. Yeah, that's so sad. If a movie ever needed to be remade, it's this one. Understandably so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Alex is just like, sure, me and Mark can handle that without you, and they go off to talk to Mister Radish. And unfortunately, Marco and Alex in the scene, next scene come back and reveal that they were absolutely dismissed by Radich. And I'm sure Alex earned herself at least two or three detentions. Oh, I'm positive. Um, and Emma's just absolutely unimpressed by their efforts. I like to think of Alex as the vice president, as like the hot-blooded detective. Like in, like a, in a, like a hard-boiled thriller. Oh yeah, for sure. No, she absolutely is. <laughs> this is bullshit, Alex. Stop sweeping things off my desk. <laughs> Marcus, I get the... insulted. You can't argue with me. <laughs> I'm turning in my badge and gun. Why do you have a badge and gun, Alex? Like, we're 16, Alex! <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that is, like, the next AU that I need to see. <laughs> No, but don't you already have the Marco Noir AU idea? Yeah. So, I feel like this is within a similar similar mindset. <laughs> Frank has, like, all these excellent ideas for Degrassi fanfic, and it's really a shame that the concept of Degrassi fanfic in 2019 is not, like, a, a like a great idea from, like, a fandom perspective. We're, we need a... This is the fan of the... This is our Degrassi fanfic crusade, and it starts here. With this bloody cop. 
Yes. Um, so, Marco's lamenting that Radish said to him, I always knew you were a smart boy, Marco. Like, what is the context for that? I, I think the idea... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very odd. I think it's, it's just... It's very condescending. It's very, But I think Radish is condescending. But, um... Regardless... Rick greets everybody and begins to walk away, and Emma stops Rick in the hallway, kind of just, like, crosses her arms and stands in the middle of the hallway like she's doing a fucking pick in basketball. Um, and Radich tries to get her to move, and also gives a very condescending comment where he says, this isn't one of your crusades. Which really, I think, just kind of reiterates how much he he can be kind of a dill hole with this stuff. Radich is really going to bat for this student who, you know... Like nearly killed another student. Well, I think the thing is, is that he says stay out of it, and I feel like there's probably a legal thing going on here. They don't say it, but I feel like because I mean, it could also be a thing where we like if Terry's fam, like if Terry's dad tried to take him to court, and that was not like. Like, I feel like there'd be some, like, there'd be a timeline on that one. Like, maybe he, they can't, they can't say that Rick did this because then he could, like, you know, accuse them of, would it be libel in this context? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the line from Spider-Man 1. <laughs> yes. I, in the words of J. Jonah Jameson, I resent that. Libel is spoken. Slander is written. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think that it could fall under libel, and I think it also would be a potential issue because it's a school, and it's, like, you know, it's a institution, and then Radich would get in a lot of trouble because he would not be able to maintain the safety of the student. Um, I think that he does not go about it the right way with these kids, but I would not be surprised if, if we were looking at this from a realistic lens he would not be able to just be like, hey, fuck off, Rick. Like, you're a fucking monster. Mm, yeah. Um, still rough. And there was a way to have that conversation with those kids that was not condescending, whether it was with Marco whether and Alex, whether it was with Emma. There was a way to kind of be like, I understand that you're hurting and I understand that you're angry, but legally speaking, like, our hands are tied. Yeah. It's just like when bad shit comes down the pipeline at my job. Like, I don't want to hear put on a happy face and keep going. I'd rather them be like, look, this sucks, but this is what corporate says we have to do. Because then I'm like, okay, we're on the same side that we both know this sucks. Exactly, exactly. So. Um, next scene, we're at, the, we're at lockers. Paige is at her locker. Rick approaches her um, and asks if they can bury the hatchet. Which is definitely, at least for me, the first real indicator that this is not a redemption arc we're supposed to be getting out of this. Like, every interaction Rick has, it's not like he's blasé about it. He's manipulative. Yeah, and, like, it just, like, nothing has seemed to stick to him of just, like, you fucked up so badly. Yeah, because it's... The topic, when we start talking about this type of stuff within, like, a younger age range, it's it's tricky, right? Because it's like, yeah, you should put people's behavior on blast when they do this type of stuff, but there is always that, I feel like, you know, people debate whether or not 
shitty people can be redeemed at various points. But I feel like as an educator, I always want to believe, like, you know, I could potentially, and, you know, people who work with kids could maybe teach them how to not do this if it was a case of, like, just not having the toolbox to deal with relationships yet. But in Rick's case, you can tell yeah. he, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one to, like, quantify. It's like it's someone who, like, horrifically mangles their partner when they're, like, 15 versus when they were like 45 it's like a different like it's tough to put into words and I feel like this episode is trying to get there but it's strange I'm also missing a lot of context because this is the first time I've seen this character it's but. even with context it's still a tricky conversation piece to have because you can yeah. it, it's it's not, it's just one of those things, and I don't think there's really a right answer per se in this debate. I think it really just depends on what you believe human nature to be. And I also think, I think that's just what it comes down to, where it's like, and, and it could also be a case of like a person could seek forgiveness, but that does not necessarily mean that the person, that you have to accept it. But also there's this other piece to it that I feel like is a big struggle in this episode, which is that, Regardless of Rick's path to redemption, the person who was directly hurt by his actions is not here. Yeah. Exactly. Terry is not here. It's about Emma. Yeah. And Emma is like all in all the time on everything. Well, then. So it's this bizarre, this bizarre interplay, which it's like I'm trying to put together two pieces or like pieces of two different puzzles. Well, I. I yeah, going back to what you were saying, Donnie, like, it's just like uh, Rick has taken any chance for Terry to tell her side of the story. Yeah. And that's horrifying. It um, is. And, like, the way Rick tries to talk to Paige about this, like, he, I, like, and this is something, uh, this is a personal thing for me, but when people itemize the things they're sorry about, it just comes off to me as so insincere. Because it's just like, here, I'm, I'm going to give you a thesis statement like, and here's my supporting argument of why you should not be mad at me anymore. Yeah, and the way... Right. And the thing is, is, like, he he does this weird sidestepping of accountability where he's like, yeah, I got angry, you're right. Like, last year I got really angry, but I'm in counseling. At no point does he say, I'm sorry. No, no, it's just, yeah, I did this, but now I am on the path. And it's, it's just not the way that a person who's sincerely trying to work on themselves would react basically like trust me i have been on the end of like my anger got the best of me my habits got the best of me i'm in counseling and i'm fucking working on it there's a way to deliver that in a way that is like owning up to your mistakes but trying to show that you are working on them and just kind of thinking well i did x i did i did x but then i did y so i expect z result of it yeah the first the first way to for accountability is to say i fucked up yeah. <laughs> like, um, but instead, he his first thing is let's like let bygones be bygones. For, first, let me exonerate myself of any guilt, and then I will ask how Terry's doing. Right. Let's get in writing that you are fine with the thing that I did in the past because I, we're friends now, right? You said it, not me. So it's legally binding. <laughs> it's, it's it feels like he's trying to do like a weird word contract to get out of accountability so rick is also not only does he do the whole oh i was angry 
but I'm in counseling. He also goes out of his way to be like, oh, hey, how's Terry doing? And Paige just shuts down at the fact that he even has the gall to ask this um, and stomps off to the bathroom. And as she's going to the bathroom, Emma catches her, which... Oh, Emma. Yeah. Well, there's... Paige should have screamed to him, how dare you say her name? Yeah, but I also appreciate that Paige didn't have that moment and just shut down. Yeah. Now that I feel... I, mine would have been more fulfilling for me. Yeah. That This way is much more realistic. Yes, yes. Um, because Paige is scared of Rick. Like, that's just all there is to it. Like, Paige... And Paige has good reason to be scared of men in general, yeah. right? Like, she, she's fucking gone through... She has seen how men can be horrible, horrible, horrible things. Yeah. So it's not surprising to me that she's not going to go toe-to-toe with this guy. Her and Manny have learned some very difficult lessons over the last few years. They really have. Um, and Emma follows her into the bathroom, and Paige just is like, you know, says that there's a psycho in the school and no one's doing anything. And once again, she uses this word, it really fucking hurts, but also this helplessness that she is experiencing especially when you compound her, her past trauma of other things, on top of the trauma of watching her friend go through this, it, it is very upsetting. Um, and, you know, Emma says that, you know, they'll work on it together. And Paige is like, you know, I'm not really good at protests. And Emma's just like, you know, I'll do it. Like, that. that's what I'm good at. Just don't call me by my, like, super not that hurtful... More of just an accurate descriptor of cause girl. Right. That's not an insult, that's just her. It's it's very weird, and I, I mean, it's not really weird, because I feel like Emma's response to this cause is very much what Emma is at this point, and has always kind of been. Where she goes, she wants to be in a higher social strata, we've seen that since season one. We have seen her be mean to her peers, and we see her mean to her peers in this episode, in the name of having some sort of social clout. And here we see a very ugly aspect of it in which she takes a very legitimate cause and takes very legitimate emotions and uses it for her own social climbing. Yeah. And it's fucked up. I, I think Paige plays into it significantly. I don't think Paige is entirely innocent in that sense. But I do feel like... I do understand why Paige is doing it, but and I do understand why Emma's doing it, but the behavior is bad. Um, and after that's established, Paige invites Emma to the dot, and Emma just fucking, like, goes up to Manny and Liberty and is like, yeah, well, I'm not gonna go to your hot tub, bye! And Liberty is seething. I'm, I'm really hoping this is a deleted scene, because I'm not sure we've had a, like, class-structured jealousy part between Manny and like, Liberty, towards Paige? Like, they want to be in Paige's circle? Hmm. I mean, Manny's had some moments with Paige, those clashes of wanting to be. There was that episode back in season one, but then they, like, ended on bad terms. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um... Paige and Emma are sharing lip gloss. Well... 
Paige is talking about MAC lip glass, which is very important because she talks about how it smells like vanilla, which it absolutely does. All MAC products smell like fucking vanilla. And I aged watching this scene because I remember when <laughs> lip glass was like a sign, was like a sign of uh, wealth and taste. What is lip glass? It's lip gloss, but it's like what they call it. Oh. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like a shopping cart trolley thing where it's just the same thing, they just have a different word. Yeah. Well, Mac back in that huh. back in that era was like the premier like mid range <laughs> brand. Like you were fucking yeah. cool if you had Mac. So they had a lot of a lot of fanciness. But Paige says, um that her and Hazel like Emma doesn't want to use it because it's expensive. Paige says, uh, Hazel and I always share. We're, co- we're cosmetic communists. And then she's like, join the proletariat, comrade. <laughs> it's like, become like a lesbian communist like us. Like, what am I supposed to get out of that? <laughs> I love them. I just like the idea of, like, lipstick communist. Yes. But, uh, we, oh my god. We, that That is definitely somebody's Tinder profile whenever bio. Whenever there, there was a certain kind of, we've seen, if you've gone to, like, a liberal arts college or most colleges, you've seen this student, the, like, one wearing the, like, anarchy bag and, like, all this stuff of, like, um, you know, various leaders on it, but it's, like, super expensive, but they have, like, super expensive everything else. I used to call them, oh, yeah. um... Triple C's card, credit card, no, uh, four C's, credit card carrying communists. Wow, Frank. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so, as they're talking about makeup and everything, Rick enters and Emma goes up to him promptly because everyone else is kind of rattled and she just kind of goes in and is like, We don't want you, add Degrassi. And Rick argues is that, like, he has a right to an education, so he has a right to go there, and that he's changed. And Emma just... He says, what I, what I did to Terry, what I did to Terry last year was horrible. Still doesn't say, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, still. Still. Um, in, and Emma, you know, Emma just continues threatening him. He says that she can't touch him, and she grabs him, pointing out that that only applies in Degrassi, and tosses him out of the dot. And Paige is like, oh, suddenly Emma's cooler than me. Yeah, it's it's hard, because it's like, I want to be like, hey, Paige, you're enabling her, but you can tell that, like, that whole group is so scared of Rick. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, actually incredibly... I feel like a lot of aspects of this episode are incredibly complex, between the, like, you know, when can, when, if and when somebody can be redeemed from, like, horrible actions like this, especially when they're a teenager, to now, you have this girl trying to impress people and, you know, trying to act like something she's not, but in the name of a cause that is legitimate and out of the, you know, out of the trauma that is legitimate. It's, there's a lot happening in this A plot. Emma's whole, like, behavior and, like, uh, their own words crusade gave me very much like a 2014 tumblr crusade vibes where it's like the at the core there someone means well but they go all in and they have the wrong idea and it is obvious at some point that they're it's not even about the thing that they started for now it's 
becomes something else entirely because someone missed the point somewhere and kind of went off on the wrong track. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you stripped everything down, the intention is there, but the execution is horrendous. Yeah. I was actually, you remind me of something, Greg. I was actually, I saw a Tumblr post today where um, somebody was showing a uh, sign like, a veteran lives here, please be, you know, um, please be considerate with your fireworks. And then, like, mm-hmm. somebody posted a GIF that said, like, when I see, if I see that sign, and, like, it's somebody shooting all fireworks into the ocean, like, from a cannon or something. Mm-hmm. And then, like, somebody was like, yeah, I get it. Like, the military sucks, but the individual soldiers are often preyed upon by their, like, social strata. And I was just like... Yeah, I was like, oh, this is... I'm sorry, it just reminded me of that. So. Of just, like, trying your best, but still taking the wrong direction. Exactly, yeah, it's like, well, thank you for that, but that's that's not what I... It's fireworks. Yeah. Um, But, like, the thing is... Like, this episode, and, like, everything that happens going forward from this point is just so difficult. Like, I'm not on Rick's side, but I don't want Rick to be bullied, because that's not a solution to anything. Yeah, I had a a very weird vibe watching this, because seeing this character and learning a little bit about this episode before going in, I was like... I know the bastard. Like I know this dude has like put someone in the hospital hardcore. And even though I don't know the details, like I know at least that much. But seeing this dude just get constantly bullied uh, by literally everyone in the shot with him at all times was tough. I I think the no continue, Gray. Sorry. I don't know. I was just gonna say it it made me feel bad that I fat. I mean, I think the way that I can kind of look at it, the way that I kind of tell myself watching this episode, at the end of the day, these are not productive ways to cope with trauma. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is. It's like, take the feeling away from the fact that Rick is the one that is having this happen to him and instead focus on everybody else. They all have a legitimate trauma. And some of these characters are being triggered not because they knew Terry necessarily, but because they have experienced abuse and... Um, you know, violence in their own households, as we find out from Alex. So, like, everybody is activated, and nobody has the coping mechanisms to deal with it. And even though they were not the person directly affected by Rick, now they're all just super fucking activated, and basically all just kind of going to their worst coping mechanisms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard watching anybody go through that. It's very hard, and it's very hard watching almost a collective spiral happen among all these kids. Yeah. Um. So we go to the front interior of the school, and Emma and Paige are giving out orange ribbons, and they're saying that they're selling them, selling them and donating the money to women's shelters. Um, orange was a peculiar color choice, especially because nowadays we associate it with gun violence. Um, and in Canada, at one point, at least 
matching up around this time period, orange was spo um, for addiction and, like, recovery from addiction. Interesting. Yeah. Because I was confused because um, sexual assault is teal, like, domestic violence is purple. Like, it's usually, like, those Ooh. color palettes that you see for this type of stuff. Um, yeah. And then, like, I saw orange. I'm like, orange? Yeah. Like, huh? It's, it's a very orange orange, too. It is. I, I wonder if it was chosen because it would look better on on the film. Um, and, maybe. And Sean's like, this is about Rick, isn't it? And um, Emma and Paige point out they're trying to make Rick's life hell. Um, yeah, they don't even pretend. Yeah, they're like, it's a silent protest. And what's interesting is, once again, we have two kids very activated by it. Ellie and Sean have both gone through, like, through violence in some way and abuse in some way. So they are probably also very activated by watching this. And the way that they deal with it is they see this as, like, you know, not really a productive way of dealing with it and then snap at Emma for, for her, like, short-sightedness. Yeah. It's really funny how that yeah. couple is so holier than thou. I think I'm more I rewatch this ship, like this episode, the more I realize why I like Sean and Ellie, because I love the idea of like these pretentious kids who are like. Well, I feel like. Who are trauma bonding. Yeah, like I'm sure, because like Ellie still lives with her mom, who's still, near as I can tell, an alcoholic, so I'm sure she's just like. Yo, my mom has her drink on. I can't deal with it here. And Sean's like, well, come over whenever. I'm sure Ellie has a key to his place. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, I mean, it's my headcanon, but I'm going to assume it's true. And, like, that giving somebody a shelter is, like, a, an important thing. It is. Um, so, next time we're in the hallway, Rick is trying to navigate the halls, and he keeps getting blocked by girls wearing the orange ribbons. Um, the I do want to take a moment to um, give credit to the soundtrack because this like angry song that begins with the lines "Let's have some fun." Yeah, starts. I feel it's like <laughs> this goofy garage band I, 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 plays as he's just getting like kicked down hallways. I just I, I did think it was just like I thought it was an adequate song choice, so. But, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Donnie. No, it's okay. Like, it, it, the... So it starts off with him just being blocked in certain spaces by girls, but then we begin to see him getting shoulder-checked by people, shoved around, um, he's getting, like, you know, like, his books knocked out of his hands and all of that type of stuff throughout different areas of the school, so we can kind of tell that this is constant. At one point, he sits next to Chris... Um, in the cafeteria, and Chris, like, kind of grabs his bag and almost, like, throws it on Rick and says that he has to move, and the cafeteria applauds, um, and Emma watches. And this is, you know, we talked about a little bit how it does kind of hit this area that is very hard to kind of make sense of, and this, I feel like this is really the moment where you have them just kind of applauding, and it's just this strange... Once again, it's like everybody's activated and nobody's doing the right thing because they're activated and they don't know how to cope with this. They've just, like, no, like, Paige and her group were the most affected by all this, but everybody else is using it as an escape 
using using it as an excuse to give in to their worst tendencies. Yeah, it's kind of like I feel like when um, it's almost like a the discussion people have when they talk about um, walkouts at schools and how like there is always that core group that has very very good intentions and are doing it for the correct reasons and then there's also the hanger-ons who just want to leave class for a little bit it's kind of like that similar kind of group think which once again has a political aspect to it where there is a cause and the cause is legitimate and people are coming in with legitimate concerns but other people also like the show and they like they like that piece of it. Yeah. And and it's hard because in this case it's even more complex because at the end of the day it's with a character who as far as we can tell is pretty irredeemable. Yeah, but it's hard. My my thing is just like having grown up in the I mean all of us grew up in this time period of the like sensationalized school shooter. Like I'm just yeah. like this story doesn't have a happy ending. Like, even, like, I, uh, I don't want, I'm not on Rick's side because I don't want, like, I don't feel like Rick's done any work to, I, I, I agree, like, I think yeah. he's irredeemable. But it's just like, I, I just, this treatment isn't going to help things. It's going to exacerbate things. But but also, this, I feel like, begins to embody this weird space. You bring up school shooter, and you almost see this weird divide kind of happening here where we are fearful of Rick because of his violence toward, toward women, which we have seen in many different instances like this, is actually the red flag. Yeah. The disregard toward women is a commonality throughout a lot of shooters and a lot of people who eventually escalate the violence. And yet you also see this narrative that kind of came out during like a lot of like the, the Columbine era of a, like, Oh, this person's going to get bullied and then they're going to snap. And, and it's a weird thing because Degrassi straddling a line here where it's like, you shouldn't bully somebody because then they're going to snap versus actually people are pieces of shit before this happens and we need to do something about it then. Yeah. It's a weird... It's a weird limbo that I feel like... I haven't watched enough media featuring this type of stuff to, to fully make sense of it. I feel like this is a very interesting example where it's straddling so, so much so in this. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's writing a very fine line. And usually when things do something like this, it's pretty easy to tell where it tips into, like, okay, that's really poignant and I understand and thank you for it. Or I'm sensitive, you don't understand anything. Why, yeah. why did you do this? And I feel like. Uh, not exactly where I am. It's it's hard. I feel like if we view this episode as really this kind of strange sort of transition piece in the perceptions of how we view abusers and how we view bullying and things like that, it I feel like it just has to be treated like a point in a in a timeline. As opposed to, exactly. I, feel like, I feel like a lot of the time we take episodes, we kind of bring it into a, two, a 2019 lens and we kind of really try to measure it up there. And I feel like this is one of those ones that 
kind of similar to Don't Believe the Hype to a certain extent where it was such a product of the time. It just kind of, this episode needs to kind of just fall right where it where it is in like 2004. And it just has to be a moment in time in which media was trying to do something a little different. And there will be, there are examples afterwards that we can study and look at throughout the timeline. No. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's like a point on the line. I gotta say, it is also a pretty hardcore whiplash to be bouncing back and forth between this plot and the B plot happening yep. currently. Exactly. It's, it's, I understand, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I feel like the writers have this I feel like it depends on who's writing it I'm very curious like how they decide like I feel like every every writer has a different take on what the b-plot should function as and for some people it's like it, it it still has weight like I feel like some of the best episodes are where the a-plot and the b-plot both have weight and in this case mm -hmm. um, oh in this case the b-plot has no weight it's it's just a puff of air. It's anti-weight. It's helium. Yeah. It's a. This is a dart episode. One of the ones where instead of picking, they just threw a dart and an A plot and a B plot. And they're like, are we sure? Yeah, we're sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's true. In the next scene, we have Quan saying, like, hey, well, people read verses that they like. And Spinner reads a verse from Kid Elric, and he's about to reveal that he wants a girl with an ass. And Quan is just like, oh, Gavin, take a seat. That's not correct. Oh, my God. And then Rick decides to lead, read some thoughts of Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, of course he does. The, most, the lowest hanging Right. You have to bend down to pick up off the floor. Right, and it's about how, like, strong people forgive. And we see, like, Emma is, like, moved by it as it's happening. And as this is taking place, Spinner throws paper at him, and he's sent to the principal's office, and he does not give a fuck. <laughs> he does finger guns on the way out. Yeah, like, he's super pumped. He does not care. Um, and then... Um, we go into the hallway afterwards, Emma is approached by Rick, and he gives her a check for $554.16, um, and she looks like she's about to accept it, but she sees Alex in the corner of her eye, and she says that, you know, he can't buy forgiveness. And Alex straight up grabs the check from him and says, we don't want your money. Um, and then... As he gets, like, as he's reacting to it, she asks him if he will... if he will put her in a coma. Oh. Yeah. Alex, pretty strong. Yeah. Alex does not fuck around or mess No, words. no, she does not. Calls him a freak, all that type of stuff. Emma asks for the check, and Alex just fucking shreds it. Yeah. Because she's a woman with principles. Like, I love Alex. Um, and Emma has the fucking gall to say that, like, oh, Alex doesn't care and Alex is just like, fuck you, buddy, like... And Emma's immediately like, you can't buy forgiveness. <laughs> just like, what is it, Emma? Well, no, she was trying to impress Alex. No. She does not say that until she sees Alex. The second she sees Alex, she goes, you can't buy forgiveness. She was gonna take that check if nobody saw her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She still wants to take the check. <laughs> um, and Alex reveals... Yeah, Alex, re Something. Alex reveals that her mom has gone through extensive amounts of abuse. 
Um, and Alex has had to mend her afterwards, has had to ice her lip, has had to put on bandages. She's had to do all that stuff. So, fuck off, Emma. Like, it... And this has happened to Emma before, where she's kind of had her ass handed to her in this sense. And it's just another continuation of this thread, where she, time and time and time and time again, fails to look at anybody beyond, like, herself and yeah. her scope of understanding. Yeah. And also, it's just... She gets... Go on. Oh, she, no, she just gets so hyped up about her own... I don't want to call it self-righteousness, but it kind of feels like that's something. It's self-righteousness. It is. It's self-righteousness. And she she fails to understand that, like, her, the the scope of her perspective is so limited, and she doesn't have the the places she thinks she does to kind of just, like, assume things and just do the kind of things she's trying to do. She is, she's missing vital contact and I feel like she's, she's blindsided by it every single time it happens. Like, oh, how could there be something And it's also just, like, so... I mean, I understand she's a teenager. I don't want to fault her too much on this piece because I think a lot of teenagers have a very... are not great at this. But, like, the idea of just, like, raising money for a cause is just, like, yeah, okay, money will help. But, like, mm-hmm. especially in, in this area... And, and I understand they're kids and they're not going to talk about it in this way. Uh, the big push is law in, in this whole entire area. It's finding ways to hold abusers accountable. It's making them have to go through prop, like, you know, legal, like, you know, sentences that actually are not just like a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, if he is a problem, then why is he able to just come back to this school? Yeah, he took a couple months off, but like the fact that he's able to just kind of come on in and there is no recourse and there's no um, uh, there's no um, restorative practices happening or anything like that. Like that's where the actual piece is. But to Emma, yeah. she she kind of has the luxury to to and has the privilege. To just be like, you can write a check. And that's going to solve this deeper issue of, like, women's shelters and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so she gets rightfully called out. Um, and next scene, they're at the dot. Paige is gossiping. Emma's joining in. Rick enters again. And Alex suggests that he's there because he gets to see his crush, Emma. And... Alex just thinks Emma is just, like, coming down way too soft on Rick. Um, and why is Jay here? We thought he was banned, but he is not, I guess. Yeah. They figured it out. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Spinner got promoted, and he was like, eh, it's okay. Um, anyway. Um, Rick says hi to Emma, and in a moment of panic, because she's with this group, and she wants to impress them. She trips him. He falls forward, gets coffee all over him, and there's um. I he must have gotten he must have gotten some pretty cool coffee because I would be just howling in agony if yeah. I got right. coffee on my face. Right. And he looks a bit like angry, and yeah. I, and that's what like Jay notices it. Is like okay, we're done. Yeah, exactly. And, and drags Rick out of the dot. Exactly. He, like, drags him into that sad, fucking, horrible alleyway that everything bad happens in. Um, <laughs> it's the bad times alley. 
It really is. Um, and Emma is begging him to let go. And Jay says that he says that their group doesn't care if violence isn't the answer. And well, yeah, Rick's like, "What are you gonna do? Hurt me?" And then like Jay's like, "Yep." Yeah, he's just like, "Yep." It's it's the most like Roger Klotz thing I've heard in a while. That is Jay. That is just <laughs> yeah. Jay. Honestly, I feel like you would like this character quite a bit because he's he's a bit of a goon. Uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, funny! I found your weird obsessive journal. <laughs> hey, funny! I don't know how to read. <laughs> Wait, did you say he doesn't? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, funny! I got rich when we got older. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, funny! Why don't you actually just like you know ask Patty out? <laughs> Anyway. I'm going to put these grenades on my wrist. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. It's okay. Roger Klotz. Roger Klotz is the Bakugo of Nickelodeon. Fuck. <laughs> okay, anyway. Anyway. Jay breaks... He punches him and then breaks his glasses. Like, that's the thing. It's like he punches him. He takes the glasses off. He punches him. And then he's like, hold up. And then stomps on the glasses. He turns those glasses into a fine powder. He really did. It's it's brutal. And then Alex is like, oh, me next. Well, Rick, Rick taunts the crowd. Who wants the next shot? Spinner. And Alex is like, me. Yeah, Alex is like, oh, hold up. Um, and Emma steps in front of Alex, which honestly is a bit of a brave move. It is a brave move. Well, Emma's already fought Alex, so Alex, she fears nothing. Oh my god, I forgot Remember, about that! They fought. So, like, Emma does not fear Alex in the way most humans do. I forgot about that moment where, like, Emma, like, knees Alex in the face and Alex is unfazed by it. Yes. What? Alex gets tired need and it takes, takes it. Yeah. Wow. Alex is a fucking icon. Alex is legitimately one of my favorite Degrassi characters of all time, because that's the type of shit she does. Hell yeah. She's the fucking best, Gray. I recommend... I gotta go back and watch that episode. Yeah, I recommend watching Alex's stuff. She's a great character. Um, <laughs> by that, I mean she does this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Alex says, Rowan campaign's over, and Emma's like, yeah, so is this. And everybody's just like, you're not cool anymore, Emma, for defending a human being from our violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone kind of walks away. Rick looks at her really pathetic. Okay. Last scene. Last uh, scene. The hey, girls pass by Emma. They're giving her the stink eye. Rick shows up wearing some glasses, which, eh, and he's like, these are my sixth grade glasses. And Emma's just like, why, I don't forgive you, why did you come back to this school? Ooh, I hate his response to this. It's uh, fucked. I, I like it at Degrassi. Well, I used to, I was horrible, but I've changed. All those people 
who hate me, I want to let them see who I really am. Show them how wrong they are. And you don't go to a school for spite! <laughs> yeah, but, like... <laughs> maybe each just take this L and <laughs> go somewhere else. Right? It's just like... What? What the fuck? That's vile. That's fucking yeah. vile. That's deranged. It's fucked up. Like, focusing on changing people's minds about you is just like, there's that's never a good look. But the, the, well, it, like, I have coworkers. Maybe you wait until, maybe you wait like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, you come back and you're just like, hey, you know, I really have changed and I'm not that big an asshole anymore. Like, I have coworkers so I know don't like me. I'm not going to be like, I'm on a campaign to make you like me more. <laughs> Like, I'm just gonna do my thing and, like, hope it changes, like... Well, it also is, like, one of those things where it's, like, that is something that people with unchecked or, like, you know, still in the process of treatment, like, mental illness do, right? Like, that's a, something that I know I have done myself as a person, like, you know, been like, I'm going to, not in this way, and definitely not because of these actions, but, like, you know, I've been, like, you know... I want you, like, instead of just letting things be and let time happen, like, you know, you almost want to accelerate the process, but usually you're doing something to make you want to accelerate the process as opposed to just, I'm in counseling. I even see Sauve. It's like, okay, but, like, what are you I, learning? I promise. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm learning this really good breathing exercise, and no, that doesn't mean that that breathing exercise means that suddenly everything's okay, but I understand why someone's like, hey, like, I'm learning these things, and, and it means a lot, and it's a big deal for me. He's just fucking, like, I want to ruin your shit. But it's just, yeah. like, everything, like, we, we call, um, Emma self-righteous. Like, Rick is self-obsessed. Yes. Like, he... Yeah. Instead of, like, he never says I'm sorry, he brings up this thing of just, like, you should forgive me because this great political leader says you should forgive me, and, like, I'm brave because I've forgiven myself for this, I guess. Like... It, it feels like he, he doesn't even realize what he gave him, but he realizes that everyone else is... So he's trying to figure out how to gain the forgiveness thing. Of yeah. It's it's fucked. Um, but yeah, like she's like, they're not interested in you, like, you know, proving yourself wrong here, and he's like, they will someday. Which is the most ominous thing I've ever heard. Right, right. Like at that point <laughs> it's like right. it's like Emma, you've gotta tell like somebody. Like <laughs> you... their phone call nine one one and tell them exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, there's no, there's no sentence you can end with someday that doesn't sound vaguely threatening. It's true. It's it, true. It's I care. Like, I care deeply about you. Someday. That's what the says at the end of a episode after they, it's like, they'll learn someday. As if they should, like, shake their fist at the best <laughs> credits roll. Right. It's just, it's fucked. It's fucked. This whole episode is rough as hell. Yeah. Yeah. But, who? Anyway, um, what are we rating this bad boy? B minus. Okay. It loses, the, the Rick plot line is complicated, and I didn't enjoy it, but I thought it was well done. Okay. 
um, because it just throws all these complicated issues at me. I'm just like, I don't know how to feel about this, and that that a lot is a of interesting talking points. And I feel like what time kind of kind of like refine hype but more than the other ones I've seen. Um, and, but the B plot just drags it down. The B plot is just an albatross around this episode's neck. Oh my god, it's an anchor that's. I mean, I think at this point, it's also an episode that's known as the penis pump episode, like, in Degrassi <laughs> world. But, like, that's what it's called. It's like, oh, that moment that JT... And it's one of the few times that the B-plot eclipses the A-plot, but it's because it's so fucking ridiculous. It's not because it's any yeah. good or insightful. It's just weird. Yeah. It's just outrageous. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Gray, do you have a specific rating for this episode? Oh, uh, God. I'm trying to even... What's my metric? I don't know. I know you have an MVP that's an inanimate object last time for your character well, rating. MVP, well, it's cheating. The MVP is the pump. No, it's the Cobra <laughs> sticker on the pump. Either that or, or it's uh, the powder. But... Oh, man. I'll, get, I'll give it uh, three pumps out of five. <laughs> you couldn't have just said a C. You had to go there. You had to make it weird. It's okay. Danny already made it really fucking weird this episode. It's not fully crazy. But, you know. Okay. Moving on to character rankings. Moving on to character rankings. <laughs> Frank's taking control. Wow. Assuming direct control. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Emma... Uh, going down, in my estimates. I'm just sick of the self-righteousness. Um, Hazel, staying where you are. You weren't really in the episode. Jimmy, too. You weren't really in the episode. Sean and Ellie, rising in my estimations for recognizing the bullshit that Emma is sometimes. Um, Radish is going down on my estimations because he's an idiot. <laughs> um, I'm so sick of his nonsense. <laughs> like, um, Rick still in the mouth of Satan. Um, who else? Uh, JT going down on my estimations. Donnie going, not, it's not Donnie, Danny. What? Where's my fucking ranking? <laughs> Danny going down in my estimations. Toby going down in my estimations. All three of those boys just enjoy your trip back to the bottom. I think you had, they had risen to like mid-Marco levels last time, but like, no. Um, Marco for trying your best to handle the situation on the rise. Um, uh, Alex... Uh, I understand where she was coming from, so she's on the rise a little bit. Um, Jay, one step forward, two steps back. Because Jay made me, like, I thought the way he, like, I thought the way he acted it was very good. But, like, he still added to the problematic parts of this episode. Um, Craig, for being completely baffled about what was going on, is on the rise of my estimations. <laughs> Spinner, for doing the least amount of damage in this situation, on the rise of my estimations. 
Um, no, he's staying where he is. He doesn't get to go down. He doesn't get to go up for that either. Um, Chris, for just doing your own thing and being away from all this nonsense, um, for the most part, like, you're on the rise in my estimations. Um, Liberty for continuing your hatred of Emma on the rise of my estimations. Manny is also rising very high in my estimations for this, of just being like, you know what, fuck it, we're done. I'm out, I'm out. Shooting star. Um, I think that's it. Alright. Good week for Manny and Craig. Both of them just bewildered for 22 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So... What are your rankings, Gray? Oh my god. JT is a fucking goon man again. I, was, I expected that, for that growth, but you just clowned it the whole time. Um, Alex is a Street Fighter Pro Champion. Outrageous. I can't believe it. Uh, rising Star, Shoot Star. I wish you the best. I'm going to watch all your episodes now. Hell yeah. I hope you enjoy her. I think you will. I think I think that she has enough flashes of the gray type for you to like her. Oh my god, I already do. I'm just excited to brave pile on. I'm ready for it. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> poor Craig just bewildered the entire time. He's like, I'm just trying to do my thing. And everyone thought, just leave me alone. Uh, uh, love you, Craig. Next time I'll leave that for you. I promise. Um, Emma, just to cool it, the only other episodes I saw was also Emma-focused episode where Emma tried to put her feet into something where a place where it didn't belong and made a big mess. She just had to, hasn't learned to cool it yet. And that's what I needed to do last time. How was that time? <laughs> Think more than not at all before you enact your master plan to change the world. Yeah, that's right. It's another episode which Emma's just fucking up left and right for you. Yeah. Whoops. Emma means well, but doesn't think anything. No, she doesn't. And I need to get there. I would have thought that your uh, like a parent's wedding would have left an impression of, like, maybe I will think twice, but I guess not. Maybe I okay. Maybe next time, this time, for sophomore, basically mess up and figure it out afterward. So I'll get there. I hope. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Fingers fucking crossed, right? Right. Alex is still S tier. True. Rick, Rick is F tier. True. Uh-huh. That's where it's at. Awesome. Thank you, Cray. Thank you so much for having me again. I... Well, we're not done just yet. Let's let's uh, get the niceties. We'll, we'll talk the niceties in a little bit. Um, now that we've done our character rankings, we can do some recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are either directly related to this or just things that we are enjoying at the moment. This episode was hard. I couldn't really think of a really good recommendation directly relevant to what was happening in this. I think that this was a really complex a plot. It was a very complex episode, so it's a little harder to um, yeah. what? Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, like they're just it. It feels like not very many things go in this direction, so it was a little harder to find something. So I'm just gonna recommend something I'm enjoying or I enjoyed. 
Um, I recently read the novel 86 by David Feinberg. It's a really, um, it's not for everybody, but it's a very interesting novel which is about, well, it's basically two novels in one. The first one is around 1980, talking about being a Jewish gay man exploring New York and, and, you know, exploring relationships and how they happen. And then the second half of it is in 1986, well into the AIDS crisis and how his life has changed significantly and how his relationships with people have been greatly impacted by it. Um, so there's a lot of just kind of New York um, and gay history that's kind of woven into it, but it was written, it was written during the time, so it's kind of weird calling it history now, but it's history for us. Um, and it's just a different take on the AIDS crisis. It was written by somebody who was HIV positive and had a very different take on things. He wasn't really interested in things being very like saccharine and was trying to create a narrative that went against kind of how AIDS stories were being told at the time. So it's um, a pretty interesting novel. I He has written, he has two other books that are out um, if you are interested, um, unfortunately, a case of a very good writer who was taken away due to AIDS complications um, very young, but I do think his write writing is worth checking out, and I really enjoyed this novel, and I look forward to reading his other one. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I have a copy. I'll bring it next time. Oh, oh that'd be great. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation, Gray? Um, hmm. I was thinking about it. Uh, it's a very uh, a large stretch for relating things, but if we are are gonna call it related on the topic of people trying to answer big questions and only realizing too late that they've answered them wrong. Um, I've been replaying Near Automata recently, mm. and that is a lot of fun. A very strange, weird game that has characters trying to answer very big questions, like what it means to be alive and the value of a human. And answering them wrong and learning that, like, uh-oh, I did a bad job and trying to get to that answer. Um, I really, really enjoyed it when it came out a couple of years ago. I think to replay it recently. And I just, it's one of those things where I just find more and more new things to just kind of out for a little bit when I'm done playing for the day. Nice. It's not, it's not an easy game, but it's very, very fun. I, but at, at the very least, watch some plays through it. Find one of those, like, uh, near Automata all cutscenes on YouTube or something. Give it a like. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna recommend, um... Uh... Sorry. I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna recommend... Yeah, I, I saw... But, you know, I'm gonna recommend Booksmart. <laughs> I can. I, I don't really have anything <laughs> else. I don't really have anything else that I would I feel comfortable recommending. And it's going to be out on in on DVD, and I think it's getting re-released in theaters for a bit. Um, but it's going to be coming out on DVD in September. I would suggest picking it up because it's a very f smart and funny movie. And, yeah. I don't know. I'm still super into Booksmart. Good. Someday I will see it. And once I buy a DVD, I'm going to have showings at my house. Fair enough. I need to go over and check that out, too. I remember seeing that when I was watching something that summer, and I remember just thinking it looked hysterical. 
it's people keep calling it the female super bad but it has way more heart than super bad did that's what i've heard too i've heard that people call it that but it's unfair to call it that because there's so much going on yeah so i should have fucking bodied by dahlia (laughs) what a monster anyway that being said gray you've made it through I made it. This is like a rough pumps. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna think about that green for the rest of the night. I know, right? God damn it. Um, are there ways that people can continue a conversation with you, which is hopefully not about penis pumps? If you want to give me more flashbacks to this green cobra sticker, you can catch me on Twitter at uh, robot underscore seven. Right. I get my own Twitter handle wrong all the time, so I'm pulling it up right now to double check that it's that is true. <laughs> oh, good lord! Why am I so stupid? Yes, it's robot. Un- I need to change that so I can remember it better. That's where I live. You can come yell at me. Send me pictures of this green snake and have me curse your lineage trip. I'll end your bloodline. Very cheerful about it too. <laughs> well, if you. If you want to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that, and perhaps we too will curse your bloodline. Um, you can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, concerns, any text or audio about your relationship with Degrassi, as well as any offerings of being a guest, which you can hang out with us for around two hours trying to unpack some of this shit. Um, if you want to... It's... Yes, Gray? It's fun. They should. It's true. I have fun. I have a lot of fun. Hopefully uh, hopefully everybody who appears has fun too. But um, we definitely love having guests. We always have a really good time. So please do not hesitate to email us. If you want to talk to us on other platforms, we have our social media at iHopePod on Twitter, where you can sometimes see exclusive photos, specifically of the cats, because they are always around. Um, You can also... Check out our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, um, where we also provide updates and other inane thoughts because I run all the social media and that's sometimes a good and terrible thing. Um, There's other ways you can support the show. Two big ways you can do it is by rating or uh, reviewing. Once we hit 20, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives where we're going to check out some uh, Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High episodes and give you some bonus content. You can also donate to our coffee account. Any money that we raise in our coffee account goes toward paying our guests as well as any tech upgrades. So please do not hesitate to send some money our way if you have the luxury to do so. If you want to talk to me individually on Twitter, you can follow me at DM is Unbreakable. I don't have another Twitter, but I do have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Um, it's a show where my sister and I uh, review other teen media, like movies, books, and stuff not related to Degrassi. Um, this week we are covering a movie we got a screener for called um, Woodstocker Bus, starring Blow Shields. And some other folks. That's um, really exciting. Congrats. You're on screener level. Oh, yeah. It, it's weird. I'm like, we're not this important. I don't know why we're getting these things. Don't question it. <laughs> just watch it. Um, and I also have three different things that air on my YouTube channel. The link is in the description. Uh, it's Sir, I Would Challenge. Um, though some people read it as Siri Would Challenge, which I also enjoy. <laughs> um... <laughs> On Mondays, I have inspirational quotes. On Wednesdays, I have mental health advice, where I help 
I explain some of the things I've learned um, through the years of, like, dealing with my shitty mental health and just lessons to help people get through. And on Fridays, I have Fan Fiction Love Roulette, where I write fan fictions based on two random characters I pull out of the game slash Romance Without Borders. That's it for me. Awesome. So, with that said, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Till darkness.